Good morning. Welcome to each one of you here at Winkler Berchtholder Church, as well as those that will be listening or watching in future. May God bless each one of us. For a call to worship, um, let's read First uh, Thessalonians uh, 5, verses 16 to 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Please join me as we pray. Dear God, God of love and forgiveness, we thank you for who you are, our Savior. We pray that you would lead us to follow your will. We thank you for the privilege we have to come to you at any time, as well as to come together with fellow believers. We thank you for accepting each of us as individuals that you love and care for. Lead us to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Let's take our hymn notes and turn to 572, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. 572. If you can, please stand for this one.
can be seated for the next two songs. The next song is 578, 578, I Need Thee Every Hour. And we will sing the first two verses and the last two. One, two, four, five. 578. songs in your bulletin called Tell It to Jesus.
Let's take a look at life in the church. Next Sunday, there's going to be both or a combination of either men's Sunday school, a ladies' Sunday school, and a special Sunday school. And uh, this coming Tuesday, there's a women's prayer group at 9.30, and at 7 o'clock is a missions committee meeting. And we're going to continue with our study on Revelations uh, Wednesday at 2 o'clock, and there's also a worship committee meeting at 7. And notice that this Friday, uh, the church office will be closed for Remembrance Day. Our missionaries of the week are uh, Preston and Myra Wheeler, and the Frontiers mission is uh, Dieppe. Uh, take a note at in the life in the church that Myron and Barb Dirksen are joining Pastor Victor and Eileen and the youth and young adults ministry. Please pray for both couples as they give leadership to our young people. And there's opportunity for volunteer drivers to help with people that may need rides to doctor's appointments. Um, people with health needs and boundary trails is Dora Peters, John Suderman, and Tina Suderman. And Nettie Heinrichs is in Carmen Hospital. Um, today, there's going to be uh, baptism and membership classes at uh, 1045 in the Sunday school room. So for those that are interested, you're invited to join those faith classes. Um, take a note also of the discovery group uh, Bible studies that uh, will be uh, coming and the we'll let you read the rest of the um, bulletin yourself again I ask you to join me as we pray Thank you, loving God, for listening to us now and anytime. We thank you for leading Irene Cron and Helen Reimer in worship and song and ask that you continue directing them, as well as Myron Dirksen as he reads us your word. Be with Pastor Dean Huber, as he presents your message to us. Be with each one of us this week at various meetings. Direct also the baptism and membership meeting after church today, as well as the women's prayer group meeting on Tuesdays and the ministerial mission committee. Lead also people in the Bible study and worship committee on Wednesdays. We ask that you meet the needs of Preston and Myra Wheeler and Dieppe as, as they serve you. We pray for your leading 
and meeting the health needs and any other needs of Dora Peters, John Suderman, Tina Suderman, Nettie Jansen, and every other person that's, whether it's in the hospital or individuals at home dealing with health needs. Open each one of our hearts as we listen to your words through various uh, persons. We praise you again for your love and ask that you would lead us as we hear your word. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. We've come to the last passage in our series on James. We'll be reading James 
chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, out of the NIV. Is anyone of you, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will rise, raise him up. If he, is, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other as that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. We've all had an extra hour of sleep today, so that was great. I guess in the springtime we lose an hour, but I'm always happy when we lose an hour in spring because I'm waiting for the sun always to come up and I enjoy it so much. In the fall, well, that's okay too. Now we get our extra hour of sleep. David says in Psalm chapter 5, verse 3, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. The psalmist tells us in Psalm chapter 119, verse 147, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I put my hope in your word. Then in the book of Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah writes in chapter 3, verses 22 through 24, a familiar portion of scripture to all of us. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 7, tells us this about Jesus. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray, where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. There's something about getting up early in the morning and praying and having our time with the Lord. For if we wait very long, pretty soon we find the day is crowded out with other expectations, with other responsibilities. And that's why it's so important that we get up in the morning and we pray. Many examples in scriptures point us to getting alone with God when? Early in the morning. If we don't put God first in our lives early in the morning, chances are we won't do it later. Oh, we shoot off those little prayers while we're on our way somewhere. Oh, Lord, I need to be praying for this. I need to be praying for so-and-so. 
But pretty soon, the Lord is crowded out of our day. Gunthry Veach says it well when he says, never overlook the importance of prayer. Pray first, not last. Pray first, not last. Choose a specific time and a place, preferably as soon as you get up and hit the floor praying. Give praise to God for this day and service he has given you. Pray with your people. Pray alone. Pray throughout the day. Pray when God awakens you at night. Be in the mode of praying, in communion, and walking with the Savior. But it only starts when we start our day off with prayer. Many years ago, a friend of mine worked for Eaton's. When they printed catalogs, that was some time ago, he took photographers and models down to Southern California in the winter and shot the fashion wear for the spring catalog that was coming. My friend told me that Sears was their main competitor because they offered lower prices. However, the quality wasn't there as good as Eaton's. Nonetheless, Sears had higher sales volume than Eaton's did. So the question at the boardroom was this, as they sat around, how do we make Eaton's first? How do we put Eaton's in the limelight? How do we place them at the beginning? And they would talk all the time, how do we do this? How do we do this? And then one fellow in the meeting says, why don't we just say it in our commercials? Why don't we just say it in the commercials? And in the 70s, I think it was the late 70s, early 80s, they did a string of commercials. Perhaps you saw them, perhaps you can remember them. The commercials would go like this. They would say things that would be happening and in the background, there was always the voice saying, put Eaton's first, Eaton's first, Eaton's first you'd have a couple going out and they were going down to Eaton's and there was the voice in the background, Eaton's first, Eaton's first. When somebody would ask a question, we should get this in the family, there'd always be someone would say, hey, well, let's put Eaton's first. And in the background was that soft voice, Eaton's first. As they traveled to the store, the couple would be chatting, they would be having a great time, the voice would be whispering, Eaton's first, Eaton's first. They would move up the escalators at Eaton's and they would begin to try on clothes when they got into the store. And the voice was always, Eaton's first, Eaton's first. After they would try on the clothes, they would say, this looks great, I think we'll buy it. And the voice would say, Eaton's first. Eaton's first, Eaton's first. Those string of commercials put Eaton's over the top and they overcame even Sears. They sold more than that during the time slot of those commercials. It's interesting what happens because people understood if you put something first, that is important. We learn a fundamental principle from this story. Our hearts are devoted to anything we put first in our lives. The things that we put first, that is what matters. That's what consumes us. That's where we go. And that's why it's so important that we put God first in our lives. He has to be number one. We have to start our day off with the Lord. Because if we don't, 
the Lord becomes secondary and finally something that we don't, a person we don't even think about because we must put God first. We must begin our days. So I entitled this message this morning, Prayer is the Answer by Putting Christ First. Prayer is the answer by putting Christ first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we realize how important it is to make you Lord of our lives, and not just in lip service outside, but rather on our knees when we get up in the morning. Help us to realize that when you are first in our lives and you guide and direct us, our day turns out altogether different. And we need your strength, your power, your grace. We ask, Lord, now you would impress on our hearts how important it is to make you number one, to put you first in our lives. Amen. Prayer is the answer, number one, when you are facing troubles, verse 13. Prayer is the answer when you are facing troubles. Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Two essential things believers are called to do and the church is called to do. And the first is to pray for everything and the second is to praise the Lord for everything that takes place. This verse informs believers how they are to react when things go bad and also when things go good. How are we to conduct our lives? First, we look at the negative side of life when there is trouble. Another word for trouble is affliction. Baker's Encyclopedia of the Bible says this about affliction. Affliction, anything causing pain or distress, suffering, calamity. From the biblical viewpoint, affliction began with the entrance of sin into the world. Both mankind and all creation were afflicted with thorns and thistles, sin, death, and decay. Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 through 19 tells us about that. And then in the New Testament, Romans chapter 8, 18 to 21 tells us the story of that. Because sin, because of sin, misery is common human experience. And our short life is full of trouble. Job chapter 14 verses 1 through 6 tells us about our short life and we are afflicted. Go through life and somewhere down the path we're going to experience problems and difficulties. It is impossible for human beings to avoid natural calamity, physical injury, and interpersonal conflict. Just wait and you're going to have some of those things happen within your life if not many of us have experienced that, not only in the past, but continuously. Yet God uses affliction to instruct and discipline his people. Notice what James does not say to the believer when he is going through affliction. This is what he's not, he doesn't say this. He doesn't say, just figure it out, write down all your options, take, pick the best option, and just go with it. He doesn't say, call your friends and talk it through with them. It's not that it's wrong that you do it. 
But that's not what he says. He doesn't say go to your favorite food or your favorite activity, your favorite hobby, or another type of pacifier in order to escape reality. Because sometimes that's what we want to do. That's why we watch TV most of the time or do other things. It helps us to escape reality. Reality. We don't like the pain. We don't like the hurt. Let's just focus on something else. Instead, James says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. He should pray. We are called to pray. The first thing we are to pray first. Pray first. Pray first. Don't go running to your friends and talk to them. Don't try to figure it out yourself. Don't go to a pacifier and try to escape reality. Go to the Lord first and lay it before him. He might lead you to speak to friends who are godly to give you advice. He might go direct your thoughts to do what you should do. But go to the Lord first. Make him first. Go to God and ask him for wisdom to deal with the trials and the afflictions you are f facing. Go to God and ask him to solve it in his way, in his time. And sometimes that's going to take patience for us. Go to God and ask him to change your heart because your situation might not change. It might not. Are you going to be miserable the rest of your life? Are you going to hate the rest of the things that happen? Especially when there are problems and difficulties you cannot control? Go to God and ask him for his grace if he decides not to answer your prayer requests your way. Satan had sent the Apostle Paul a thorn in the flesh. Three times he asked God to remove it. Three times. And I'm sure the Apostle Paul, when he prayed, he prayed at length and he prayed three, three times. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And that only happens when we have surrendered that God will walk with us through those times of hardship. Second, we must look at the positive side of life when everything is turning out well. And when everything turns out well, you know what happens to us? We start running down a different road and we don't have to consult God. We have everything at our fingertips and it's going our way. Notice James does not say live life to the fullest and take it easy now. You've arrived. He doesn't tell that to us. He does not say you deserve it. He doesn't say, now that you have the right lifestyle, it's everything. He does not say, condemn others because their faith isn't strong enough. Well, God has blessed me. I must be doing pretty good. I must be a special person. I see God hasn't blessed others like he has blessed me. Instead, he says, is anyone happy? 
Let him sing songs of praise to God. Let your voice rings to him that you are thankful and that you are, have been blessed in a special way and it's a blessing that you can't take any credit for. As a believer, our natural response should be to sing songs of praise to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings. How can I serve you even more now? He deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. Prayer is the answer when we face troubles and afflictions. And in praise, and praise is the answer when we are blessed. We're thankful. We've been blessed. And sometimes our troubles and our difficulties are a blessing in disguise because they have led us to depend upon the Lord even more. Now we come to the second step of prayer is the answer. Number two, when you are sick, verses 14 through 16, prayer is the answer when you are sick. Listen again to four, uh, as I read verses 14 through 16. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. This portion of scripture has often been misunderstood. Some have interpreted it to th this as a blanket statement that all believers can receive healing for all, from all their affirmities at any time when they pray. They think that it's just pray and God will give you what you want, even our physical health. Thus, when one is not healed, they must have sin in their lives or they have not enough faith. And guilt trips have been placed on many people who are not healed when they've been praying for healing. In verse 14 and 15, two different Greek words are used for sick. Two different Greek words are used for sick here. In verse 14, Paul asks, is any of you sick? The Greek word here is asthenio. And when it is used in other passages of scripture, it is used to describe both sickness and weariness, okay? That word describes both sickness and weariness when you're just weary. Verse 15 states, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Here the word in Greek for sick is kamno, kamno, and it means weary or growing weary. Weary or growing weary. From the context, James is not describing a bedridden individual, but a person who has become morally and spiritually exhausted. I want you to notice that the weary person is to call the elders and not the other way around. Notice that. You call the elders, the elders don't call you. The reason is that they may look good, a person may look good on the outside, but on the inside they are weary and need others to anoint and pray for them. 
but the elders cannot read the minds of the believers and know that they are exhausted. And many of us can be exhausted and we just keep on going as if everything is okay. Sometimes we bring sickness to ourselves by worrying, overworking, not eating correctly, or having fallouts with our loved ones or those around us. There's a whole reasons why we grow weary, and even weariness and worry can turn into deliberate, dilipping diseases. Worry, stressing, and overwork is just as much as a sin as lying, stealing, and killing. When we worry, we're really saying to God, your grace isn't sufficient for me. I have to take this on. I have to work because if I'm not doing it, it won't get done and I'll go under. And God says, give it to me. Give it to me. That really is an insult to God. According to verse 16, we must confess our sins to one another. This is not about getting up in front of the congregation and hanging out your dirty laundry. That's not it at all. Instead, we come together with with a trusted friend or trusted friends to mutually encourage one another, hold one another accountable, and pray for one another. Then healing takes place as we watch God work in our lives. When we have our group, when we have to be accountable, we live differently. When we're praying for others and they need our help and our support, we live differently and we pray differently. When we're accountable to one another, it makes a difference. Perhaps more believers are not healed from debilitating illness and diseases when they are anointed or prayed for because this passage addresses a spiritual and moral part of the believer's life, which I believe it is. However, this does not mean we don't anoint sick people. It does not mean that we don't pray for those. God does still hear, heal, I believe that, and we should do it. But it can't be a demand on God, and I can't say, you can't say to him, well, you have to do this for me now. Because we can sometimes take God's word out of context. God can and does heal physically. However, fulfillment in this life is not tied to the physical realm, but rather to the joy that the Lord gives us when we walk with him. And that begins as we put him first in our lives and we start the day on our knees. Or you can sit at the the desk, but you start the day giving it to Jesus. We must remember that prayer is the answer and the first place to go when we are facing troubles, verse 13, is to him. And when you are sick, it is to him. When there's problems, there's difficulties, or even joy in your life, you go to the Lord. Now we come to the third step. Prayer is the answer. Number three, when God's chosen people face uncertainty, verses 17 through 18. 
Prayer is the answer when God's chosen people face uncertainty, verses 17 through 18. Let me read those two verses for you. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. Yes, Israel was in a hard and difficult time. When we don't have rain, we become a crippled people. When we don't have rain, we don't eat. James likes to use biblical examples from the past of those who walked with God and persevered. In verse 10 and 11 of this chapter, chapter 5, there are two examples that he uses before, which is the prophets and Job, and he talked about them. In verse 17 and 18, now James uses Elijah and an example of another life scripture um, person to demonstrate the power of prayer when facing uncertainty. Elijah was a man just like us. He breathed, he had problems, he had difficulty, he had victories. And then when he had victories, he also ran for his life. And there's sometimes we experience that too. We have the good times, we have the bad times. We're up and we're down. He was a man just like us. In other words, he knew what it was like to go through the hardships, trials, and suffering. He also knew what it was like to experience victory when he called Ahab the king in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 6 through 46, to bring 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah to meet him on Mount Carmel, and Ahab participated, and he came. A shadow, pardon me, a showdown took place, and they agreed all together that the God who answers by fire, truly he is God. And they were going to bring their sacrifices. And first, Baal worshippers and the prophets brought theirs. They built the altar. They took the wood. They slaughtered the bull. And there they put it on. And in the morning they began to cry out to their God, Come and light the sacrifice. And they cried and they danced around over and over again. At noon, Elijah gets up and begins to mock them. Perhaps your God has gone on travel or a vacation. Perhaps he has gone to the washroom. And they cried even more and danced around. And finally, they even cut themselves, thinking that this would appease the gods and surely the fire would fall from heaven. But nothing happened. And then it was Elijah's turn. And he brought the people together. There it says he did not build the altar. He repaired the one that was broken down. And there he laid the wood, slaughtered the bull, and put it on there. And the rocks were all arranged, and there was also a trough that was put around. And that trough was there to hold the water that he was going to pour on it. 
And then, of course, there were the barrels of water, and it was poured one after another over the sacrifice, over everything. And then Elijah prayed, and this was his prayer, O God, show that you are God, and light this, and show that I am your servant. And he did not have to beg God. God came down with fire, and there it struck the altar. And the scriptures tell us it burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, and even the rock, and it lapped up the water. And the children, or pardon me, and the prophets of Baal fell down, and they said, he is God, he is God, he is God. Yes, he is God. Well, the story doesn't end then. I tell you what, Elijah quickly wound them all up, and then he took them down, and they were put away. The story goes on. Following that great victory, Elijah summoned Ahab and told him the rain would now come. After three and a half years, when he first prayed, the rain would come and it began to pour. You see, God answers prayer, not because it's our will, but because it's his will. If you would look at 1 Kings chapter 17, verse one, you will find that God came to him and said it would not rain. Yes, he would have prayed, but it was God who came. And then he, God comes again the second time in chapter 18, and God says, I will make it rain. Yes, he uses us as instruments, but it is God who is in control. Now we come to the fourth step, fourth step of prayer is the answer. Number four, when a loved one wanders from the truth. Prayer is the answer when a loved one wanders from the truth, verses 19 through 20. Brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sin. James closes the letter with the hand of outreach to those who have wandered away from the truth. And throughout the letter, James points out the sins of the church and how to correct them. And I don't care where you go, whichever church it is, we all have problems, we all have difficulties, and that's why we so desperately need the Lord. We can't coast. We can't take it easy but our face has to be turned towards the Lord. James is not talking about evangelism, but restoration. And throughout the letter, he addressed those in the church as brothers and included himself as walking and learning with the Lord. He always included himself. And we're all in the same boat. We all desperately need Christ. It is also clearly pointed out that all the church is involved in bringing back a loved one who is wandering away from the truth. And we all have loved ones, and we all can't carry the burden alone, and we all have to be praying for one another and praying for loved ones who are not walking with God. And perhaps they did in the past, but not today. Perhaps they have never done, and we need to pray and pray some more. 
So if I could leave you with the most important truth from this message to apply to your life and to my life, put Jesus first. Put Jesus first by starting your day with prayer and reading his word. Take your bulletins with me and turn to the last quote that is found on the back of your bulletins, the last quote. It says this, choose today to renew your passion for prayer. Make it your priority. Enlist those around you to join in asking God for his transforming work in the lives of those who will hear his word proclaimed this week. Once again, put him first. Also, you may be sensitive to the Lord's leading, and I pray that you will listen to him. And when you hear his voice and him to say to you, pray first, pray first, pray first. Jesus first, Jesus first, Jesus first. Remember, wherever your heart is and what you focus, it focuses on the things you place first in your life. May Jesus be first. Number 337, what a friend we have in Jesus. Please stand. 337. benediction here the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace gracious Heavenly Father we thank you for the time that we have spent in your word and it is only your word that empowers us and no one else help us to have hearts that are sensitive especially to your calling Help us to be praying each and every day that we place you at the front. We know that our lives will be different, 
when you are number one. So thank you, each per- thank you, Lord, for each person who has come. We pray, Lord, that you'd have your blessing upon them as they go out into the world this week. They will walk with you hand in hand. Once again, thank you for the opportunity that you have given us here at the Wickler Burktaller Mennonite Church to serve you with full hearts. Go with us now. For this we pray in Christ's name, amen.